Hello and welcome to Talk of the Town. This show is a collaboration between the City of Winter Park, the Winter Park Chamber of Commerce, and Rollins College, and each show provides useful information and a transparent look into the happenings here in Winter Park. I'm Sam Stark, Vice President at Rollins College, and I'm pleased to serve as the host of the show. With me today is the President and CEO of the Winter Park Chamber of Commerce, Betsy Gardner-Eckbert, and filling in for Mayor Anderson is Kyle Dudgeon, Assistant Division Director of Economic Development and the CRA for the City of Winter Park. Betsy and Kyle, great to be here with you for another Talk of the Town, and appreciate you being here and looking forward to our discussion. Thanks for having us today, Sam. It's a perfect day on Rollins College. Everybody who's thinking about going to school here should be here today, seeing Indeed. how beautiful it is. That's yeah, perfect sure. uh, Chamber of Commerce weather, right? That's and uh, right. thrilled to be here this morning as well and get the full Sam Stark experience, right? <laughs> That's right. You'll regret it later, but uh, thanks for sucking it up for uh, 30 or 40 minutes here. Um, Kyle, just first, so people have a better sense of your role and work, tell us, you know, more specifically kind of what it is you do for the city of Winter Park. Uh, certainly, and, and happy to, to divulge as deeply as, as you like <laughs> to on that. It's, um, you know, economic development in the city of Winter Park, I feel very fortunate and blessed to be in that position because it, it means not only being able to look at things from uh, that traditional economic sort of um, job base, wage base, how do we generate wealth, how do we look at things holistically to, you know, really also that social side of, of, of uh, working with folks, trying to build community, trying to add value, you know, so really kind of mar marrying that uh, quantifiable and qualifiable elements together. Um, day to day, you know, we work uh, with uh, local businesses on, you know, if they have questions with how do I get permit for X? How do I, you know, work within the sign code to help promote uh, what I'm doing? How do I leverage resources? Um, and then we get into the elements of the CRA, which is uh, very much driven by a, a CRA plan and our CRA agency, which is our city commission plus representative of Orange County to execute uh, programs and projects that are consistent with that plan as a whole. Excellent. We definitely we'll talk about the CRA uh, in a little more detail later, but uh, thanks for that and um, thanks for, for all you do in that role. Uh, Betsy, our primary focus today is on economic development in the city and specifically the Winter Park Prosperity Scorecard. Uh, this is a Chamber of Commerce initiative supported by Mayor Anderson and the city to provide data, actual data, to get a more clear picture of the health and well-being of our business community and, and business climate. So tell us what the inspiration for the scorecard was. Well, the role I'm in now at the Chamber of Commerce is the first community-centric role I've ever had. My background is in business. It's in growing business. It's in leading business, particularly international businesses. Uh, as you know, I lived in London and, and ran two London-based businesses. And we did all of that business growth based on data, giving us insights for opportunities. And for my entire career, I've used data to understand where we can see around corners and take advantage of, of opportunities. And so I've always wanted to do that in this role. And I remember the day I met Kyle with his fistfuls of data about how the city <laughs> runs and thought, you can come sit right next to me. We're going to have a great time together. So... Um, we, we have some opportunities emerging from the crystallization of thought and experience that went on during 
certainly the pandemic, certainly the movement to think about things more holistically and and inclusively. Um, And so we started asking ourselves, how do we make sure that we're taking advantage of every potential opportunity that we have emerging from these crises. And so I I relied on my old methodologies, which is we need to understand what our ground truth is. We need to understand where we're strong and where we can improve. And then we need to build a North Star strategy that supports Winter Park's best version of prosperity, which we believe is Uh, a a kind of an open source prosperity and maybe one that is available to people that hadn't been included at the table before. Mm -hmm. Um, Not because people were mean spirited, but because we just hadn't thought about these methodologies before. And so we have an opportunity to be more inclusive in the type of prosperity that we build here. And when we set out to create a system of metrics, we wanted to give something to the city. So we asked a lot of people to help us understand which metrics mattered to them. And we wanted to build an ESG embedded scorecard. So that's uh, environment, societal, and governance. So those are practices that institutional investors are being held to account for. And those are practices that big corporations, universities, certainly university endowment funds are pulling out of investments that don't align with their ESG goals. And and it's becoming a business best practice. So we wanted to lead the community in aligning ESG goals to what we built coming out of it. So that's really what we set out to do. Uh, And I'm thrilled to say that our version was released a couple of weeks ago, and we're now gonna be able to use some of those insights to help plan the way forward. Uh, it's incredibly comprehensive. You can find it at winterpark.org uh, and just go to the home page and it's right there. The first one of the top um, uh, tabs is Winter Park Prosperity Scorecard. So people who are listening live and, and who listen later on the podcast can and, and should check it out. How, Betsy, how unique is this scorecard? In other words, I mean, I know there's others out there. We, we both know and, and are involved with the Florida Chamber of Commerce and the Florida Chamber of Commerce Foundation and they have a scorecard for the state. But sort of local chamber. How how unique is this in your circle of, uh, of other chambers? I'm not aware, and I've been told that there isn't um, a, an index chamber for us in terms of doing this outside of the state model. No. And we did use the state Florida scorecard, which I highly recommend looking up online at Florida scorecard. It's either .com or .org, but if you just Google Florida scorecard, you'll see it. We begin all of our board meetings with an Orange County look at the economic vital signs Mm -hmm. of our environment. And I think it's an important thing for us to be aware of. Certainly we saw metrics worsening during COVID and we're thrilled to see that they're improving now. And that was was a tool um, that we use for understanding our context. But I also know that the Florida Chamber of Commerce uses it as an accountability tool for helping partner with our elected leaders. And that's really what we hope to do is is find areas of shared passion and build on those strengths together. How can the chamber add value to things that, you know, is on uh, high on the city's list of priorities and how can we create a, a partnered approach to prosperity for the whole city? And yep. uh, one thing that you mentioned that I wanted to add to is not only do we encourage you to go look at our scorecard but we want you to take it. If you want to use it and appropriate it on your website or share it with your classroom or use it at every one of your board meetings, we designed it so you can steal it. It's for <laughs> you. Um, and you can also just pull 
individual metrics off and monitor those as a widget on your um, dashboard or your website. So we want people to take it. It's not copyrighted. It's designed to be an open source gift for the community. So Kyle, um, how do you see it as an open source gift to the community from your seat? I mean, how, how much has it, is it, will it guide some of your work uh, in economic development? Yeah, absolutely. And, and it's, uh, Betsy's 100% correct. You know, day one, here we were aligning already with our use of metrics and how they can help sort of frame, you know, frame the narrative in a way that, uh, that that other things just can't, right? Yeah. So when you when you look at data, you you say, okay, well, this sort of backs up what I think I know. So or it doesn't, or it sort of shifts things in that way. Um, you know, the city uh, does put out its own kind of report card annually, and, and has done so for a number of years. And it talks about some very hard data. Um, you know, the city's very strong financially in terms of you know having almost a thirty percent reserve, which has been a goal of city leadership for some time. Um, also talking about the strength of of public safety in response times for uh, police and fire being under three and 10 minutes, respectively. We hit those numbers really consistently. Um, clarity in, in lakes and, and waterways, um, we, we've hit that over a number of years now. So there's a lot of valuable elements there. And um, cer certainly economic vibrancy, you know, uh, vacancy rates, uh, rental rate per square foot values to sort of give us that barometer of where we sit. But where I think a lot of value in in what Betsy and her team have put together is, is sort of that next stage evolution of not only making it digitally accessible, but doing so in a way where we can work to overlap and and sharing that narrative of okay, here's the things that we do really well, and how can we benchmark off that to continue to polish the jewel that's Winter Park. And the city has a w w functions a lot with uh, community committees, which I think is awesome. Uh, one of them is the Economic Development Advisory Board. Betsy, you have a seat on that board. And Kyle, that technically is your sort of committee to, to lead and manage. Um, how, how is and how is Economic Development Advisory Board absorbing all of this data? Maybe, Betsy, you can sort of start and then Kyle. Yeah, I want to really lead by thanking the mayor because I think he's drawing upon his many years in business and certainly in commercial real estate to help us create a usable framework for economic development. You know, in my five years of working in the Chamber of Commerce business, I, I've gone to four years of training through the United States Chamber of Commerce and sat in many classrooms talking about economic development with peers who are trying to do economic development on a volume-driven basis. Certainly in Mississippi, they're ginning up people in community colleges to handle uh, the relocation of a Verizon call center because that's really needed economic development in that region of Mississippi, and I think that's really admirable work. You know, with our real estate uh, vacancy rates at really almost zero, 2.7% is not enough to give employers an adequate inventory to choose from to even know that they could come here. We have a very different value proposition. So our economic development is always going to be quality driven. And it's always going to be driven, and I'm pleased to say that we reached consensus in a meeting yesterday, that it's always going to be quality of life driven. And so that's something the chamber really cares about. And we want to make sure that we're not doing volume plays, because that's not appropriate appropriate contextually for Winter Park. What we do want to do is make sure that we enhance the competitive value proposition inherent in the Winter Park experience. And that means 
How special is Winter Park relative to emergent communities? We're, we're looking at you, Lake Nona, and we're looking at you, Winter Garden, right? And we want to make sure that as these emergent communities become more developed and more interesting, that we're maintaining a competitive edge. And I'll be honest, I grew up in Winter Park from the age of 10. We were the only game in town. There was nothing as interesting <laughs> as Park Avenue or Winter Park. And so that's just not the case anymore. And I think we ignore that at our own peril. So I'm grateful to the mayor for embracing that, for setting out on a mission to activate the Economic Development Advisory Board, to have a sense of vision about what our competitive advantage can and should be. And we're in the process of crafting that vision right now, which we intend to present to the city commission as a, as a vision, a set of guiding principles, and then a programmatic action plan that we recommend to the commission about how we can maintain a differentiated position in what's now a competitive marketplace for Central Florida. Yeah. Impressive. Yeah, so I think Betsy is absolutely on point with that. You know, one of the things that we talked about a little bit just before going live here was, um, you know, EDAB really in its element of think tank, you know, sort of marrying uh, the, those ones and zeros to, you know, what does the intangible represent? And and one of the things that we really started with is, you know, quality of life is our competitive advantage. So starting to delve a little bit deeper into that and to say, okay, in, in a more regionalized competitive landscape, what does that look like? And, and so for us, you know, we're, we've sort of engaged on the on this multi-meeting uh, conversation about how do we how do we put pen to paper? How mm -hmm. do we how do we look at implementation? Um, you know, how do we how do we drive through scorecard metrics and viable programs to be able to uh, continue to make sure that uh, we end up on top as as we usually like to do? Yeah. <laughs> Betsy, the scorecard, you know, I've seen some scorecards, right? And they're, and they're sort of dashboardy, if you will, right? They're four or five key important data points, but they're four or five. Like this, this scorecard is not light. I mean, it is deep and thorough. And uh, in many ways, I, I would argue, goes far beyond what a, what a typical sort of economic or community scorecard that, that I might have seen in, in just in my small uh, circles. Talk about it. Like, why is it so robust? Why is it so thorough? How did you come up with all of these different research categories? So uh, surveys. <laughs> we got almost 700 survey responses. We went out into the community beginning in October and we said, we're not going to arbitrarily build a scorecard based on metrics that Betsy thinks is important. <laughs> we're going to go out and ask you what do you care about? What do you think community well-being looks like? And if we could measure it, how would we do that? Um, what do you think sustainability metrics should look like? What do you think um, governance metrics should look like? What do you think are the, the bellwethers of how we're really doing, right? So for us, it was interesting to see that the top four community well-being metrics that people fed back to, and I want to shout out to Rollins College because at the business program, you guys helped us analyze hundreds of pages of free response. People were very generous with their opinions, and they shared a lot of free response with us that Rollins students aggregated and have given us some statistical significance to some of the trends in that. Um, but, you know, people said community well-being metrics that mattered to them were children in poverty. Mm. Guess what? 
we have children in poverty in this community. And that's measured by uh, the federal proxy for children in poverty, which is children qualifying for free and reduced lunch at our own schools. The shocking fact of that is that four out of 10 children who attend Winter Park schools are eligible for free and reduced lunch. So we no longer can think about only prosperity for people who have plenty. We actually have to build prosperity models for everyone because I don't want to lead a business community where there's that much poverty. Yeah. And I don't think our board or anybody else does either. People also were concerned about voter turnout as an engagement metric for our community. And then I was delighted to hear that it wasn't just my hunch or our board's hunch that inclusivity mattered, but that our survey respondents said inclusive practices and diversity in our decision making were their two among their top four priorities in community well-being metrics. And then we also just wanted to give usual nerdy economic development data, right? Like what is our GDP in Winter Park? What is the amount of um, GDP that each worker brings into our economy? What are the top businesses that are recruiting? How many open jobs are there? Here's what's staggering. We have over 10 industries with 100 or more open jobs right now. And we have a giant gap between the number of people that live in Winter Park and the number of jobs that are available to them. So we have a delta of 6,000 between workers and residents. And that means we're gonna experience a lot of commuters coming in here to work. And I guess we have to have a community-wide conversation on do we feel good about that? Is that what we want to do? And if it's not, what changes do we want to make to accommodate a less carbon-based way to solve our labor problem? And so we wanted to look at things holistically. We now have four metrics around sustainability that we think are measurable and improvable. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we are looking at how many electric vehicles are in the city's fleet. That's our fleet. We own that fleet. Do we want to see more of that fleet diversified in its fuel consumption base. And then we also are looking at the number of solar permits that are issued each year through the city, either commercially or residentially. That's an opportunity for the chamber to get behind incentivization and support ways for businesses and residents to do the right thing for the environment, um, but also get rewarded economically for doing that. We're never going to be interested in punitive measures or mandates around these kinds of things. But we think there's a great opportunity to incentivize sustainability in realms like that. We're also focused on the city's wholesale energy mix. How much of our energy mix, as you know, we own our own electric utility, how much of our electric utility usage is sustainable or renewable? And so right now I'm thrilled to say it's around 10%, but we can improve that. We could set a community goal to say, guess what, City Commission, we'd like to challenge you to make that 30% by 2025 or 2030 or something like that. And that's really what this benchmarking is all about, is how can we set a chart a course to be better at things that we're already doing to some degree well, right. but we could be even better. Kyle, how does a community like Winter Park um, do better, become more economically viable when, at least on the surface, there's not a lot of land, uh, most parcels are, are built out, and there's high occupancy rate? You know what I mean? Like those just seem to me to be sort of some of the, the two obvious things where you hear about economic development. Oh, because East Orlando or West Orange County has a lot of land, so it's a blank slate. Or there's a downtown building that's sort of sitting empty. Like we don't have a lot of, we don't have much of those two elements. So 
how, how does Winter Park continue to grow and thrive? Yeah, absolutely. And I think that gets back actually to some of our earlier comments and, and what we've been talking about with EDAB, with, with basing economic development around quality. You know, uh, you, you look at other organizations or other communities about what their metrics of success look like. Uh, Betsy did an excellent job of, of throwing out, you know, other communities and saying, you know, uh, additions to the workforce are really important. And I think for us, it's making sure that we're in a position to uh, continue to lead in uh, agreed upon metrics that allow for success measured in elements such as sustainability, high quality job growth. Um, Rollins, for example, is a premier uh, exporter of education based um, quality. Right. And I think that's something when we look at and I'll be very nerdy. I promised I wouldn't say this, but, you know, we're live, (laughs) Uh, you know, talking about location quotients, which is kind of your what what some of your niche industries are. And and education is right up there. So I I think it's continuing to say, okay, these are the elements on top of, you know, things like wealth generation, job growth, um, promoting quality redevelopment. But it's also things like sustainability and and all of those other kind of quality of life based metrics that mm-hmm. Betsy alluded to um, that really bring us into uh, the, the the next generation of premier years in Winter Park. Got it. Betsy, is this an evergreen and ongoing scorecard? Like, or is there a shelf life to it? Um, so what I would say is we've presented to the city as our gift, and I do want to shout out to the Edith Booth Charitable Foundation who enabled this work. Um, they gave us the lead grant to make this happen so that we could give it as a gift. I do believe this is version 1.0. I think that that part of what makes this scorecard special is that it wasn't hatched in a room by a bunch of people who think they know best. It was really a community focus. I personally went out to, I can't tell you how many Rotary Clubs, places of worship, the Winter Park Housing Authority. You know, one of the things I am proud of is that we were very diligent in making sure that the demographics of our respondents were the demographics of Winter Park itself. And we were bang on the money of all of the ethnic demographics that are represented in Winter Park and bang on the money of of the distribution of those demographics. So we were diligent in making sure that we brought voices to the table that aren't necessarily always there. And so I'm very proud of that, but I know that there are ways that people can help us improve this. And I think that's one of the processes that we have embarked upon in this sort of task force that the mayor has created with respect to economic development. And that is to think about how does this become holistically embedded as a shared community asset that the city and the chamber are in partnership on. I think people are going to give us feedback about how we can make this even better. There may be metrics that fall off. There may be metrics that are added. I can assure you it was very hard to winnow it down to the ones mm-hmm. that we have. Um, and we wanted to not overwhelm people with a giant data dump when they went on our scorecard. But we wanted something concise, easy to read, to give potential business relocators a flashpoint view of what goes on here and how healthy and prosperous is it. Um, we've been asked for years to to create something that's shareable and readable and easy to digest about what, what really is the story of economic development in Winter Park. And so our goal was to create something that 
lives beyond just this version. But we hope that this will be an embedded best practice forever. Yep. Um, we're not wedded to these metrics have to be the only ones on there. Um, but we have paid for the creation of the card. Um, and the good news is that once you've paid that upfront cost, there's very little ongoing cost to do that. And that's something that, you know, we would like to bear or share with somebody else who's interested in that. You know, David Odahowski for all of his visions that, oh, Betsy, you should be finding sponsors for each part of the card. And I'm like, wow, you're doing my job for me, David. This is great. <laughs> but but um, there's a lot of passion for it. And I'm really impressed with the power that creating an objective set of data gives people to have deeper conversations, more thoughtful, purposeful um, debate and dialogue about what's best for Winter Park. Um, you know, one of the things that I think is is difficult in our world right now is it's so easy to live in our own echo chambers. And when we can look at objective sets of data to tell us the truth about where we are, it can make us um, much more effective because we all fall prey to those little echo chambers where I just watch my Facebook with all my middle-aged friends and their kids at college, you know? And so it's important to kind of get out of that and, yeah. and, and anchor into who doesn't look like me and who's maybe not doing as well as I am? And have we built a model for them to succeed as well? Right. Well, not to uh, jump on David's bandwagon, but I could see a meeting with Kelly Price and Scott Hillman and Winter <laughs> Park Land. And boy, they could be some good partners for this thing in the long run. But that's another meeting, another discussion. Uh, Kyle, do, do you have a metric or two that you you know have seen on the scorecard that you're going to pay extra close attention to? Or, you know, I, I know it's all thorough and comprehensive and useful, but is there anything that stands out for you? So, yes, of course. And, and of course, the, the easy answer is all of it does because all of it's important. Um, I, I think uh, alluding to some of the things that we talked about earlier about uh, making sure that that economic vitality and social well-being are worked in tandem together are, are very, very important. So we're, we're our city scorecard, citywinterpark.org slash PM for yep. performance metrics. Um, and and I think where, where Betsy's scorecard really kind of takes that to the next level is, is working in those elements together and, and weaving sort of this uh, narrative that talks about that uh, in a way that allows for not just to local residents and visitors to understand where where we are and what that means, but also to signal to others. You know, working with uh, uh, the the region or working with folks that say, you know, I remember, gosh, I was at Disney for three four days, but you know, I came to Winter Park and really yeah. kind of enjoyed my time there. I'd I'd love to go back and take my family, yeah. and and so I think that's what's really valuable about being able to put something together and, and do it succinctly. Yeah. Um, you know, as as Betsy. Knows, I'm a big fan of infographics. Uh, I think you really get three to five seconds, and to be honest with you, it's probably even shorter than that now. You know, to to tell your story right. in certain mediums and certain venues. So to be able to do that succinctly and quickly, um, which is maybe also why I talk quickly, uh, <laughs> becomes very important. Got it. Perfect, Betsy. How about you? Is there is there a data point that you'll be paying extra attention to on an ongoing basis? Yeah, I mean, I'm focused on, like, for us, the five key takeaways, I've already focused on a few. I think the one that shocked me the most, and I wasn't that shocked by it, was um, how many kids are struggling with food insecurity in this community. That That's the most troubling one, and I'm thrilled to say that there are emergent organizations 
like Army of Angels and Eris Foundation that are doing a great job to help meet the wraparound needs of those kids in our community. We have so many resources and passionate, dedicated people who all we really need is for them to be aware of this problem for us to start fixing it. So that to me is the biggest jolt. But I think, you know, for me, the biggest conundrum is really around real estate. So our average single family home price is $771,000. So what that means is that you have to have a measure of wealth to even get in the game in Winter Park. And so that's difficult because we're missing out on young innovators when our home prices are that high. We're missing out on entrepreneurial businesses who can't afford to fail because the commercial real estate is too expensive. And going back to anchoring into quality of life, does that have long-term consequences for Winter Park? Do we become less relevant because we're not a hotbed of innovative thinking we're we're a place where established people go to enjoy a beautiful life well there may not be nothing wrong with that but we i think we have to have a community conversation about our real estate problem because the real estate problem is such that um young people i don't know about you but when i was in my 20s i couldn't put 150k together on a down payment or service the debt on that expensive of a house. And so, you know, the other piece is at 2.7%, we basically do not have available commercial real estate. So we can't bring site selectors here and say, hey, what about a what about a relocation of your corporate headquarters? Well, it's a joke. There's nothing for them to choose from. So, you know, those real estate problems are problems that are feeding all the commuting that you know we also if we hang all this together and we care about sustainability and we care about carbon emissions we have to sit down and have a really thoughtful conversation about what's causing those problems and if we anchor back into quality of life for me part of quality of life is can i get into winter park hospital advent health winter park whenever i need to for my family or me Mm -hmm. well right now they have hundreds of jobs that they cannot fill And I know for a fact that Rollins professors, not all of them can afford to live in Winter Park. So does that do anything to deteriorate that quality of life value proposition? Place-based learning in a liberal arts environment is part of the Rollins value proposition. Are we doing all we can to support what makes that special? Kyle spoke to education being one of our targeted business clusters. Are we helping Rollins by allowing this to go on? Or are we hurting it? And our job is to help Rollins, right? And so that's part of our value proposition of what makes us special. If I now have to wait three hours to get into the ER, has my quality of life deteriorated? And, and people say to me, oh, it's not just doctors and nurses. Exactly. Mm-hmm. If a custodial team isn't fully staffed and can't turn those rooms over fast enough, that starts to affect my quality of life. And so I, what we tried to do was create a holistic framework for understanding all how all these things hang together and what might be the long-term consequences of failing to address some of these issues. Yeah, that's, that's, that's a good point. The one that I'm going to keep an eye on and that I, I know you've, uh, that the, the, the chamber is, is trying to um, increase, and I know the city is too, is voter turnout. I just think that's such an important data point. And we're not bad, right? We're in the 30s. 20, you know, um, which isn't terrible, um, but I just think we can be better. And I'm going to um, call out the 18 to 50 year olds that represent half of our electorate, but only 26 percent of our turnout. So yeah. that's where we really need to improve. Yeah. And it's such a um, it's an anchor uh, ideal or metric for, for so many of these other issues and problems and challenges and opportunities that more the more people are engaged that I think just think the better off we can be as a community. Um 
We're getting sort of to the end. I wanted to just get circle back on the CRA. Kyle, what is a CRA and what is our CRA? Yeah, absolutely. So CRA is an acronym that stands for Community Redevelopment Area or Community Redevelopment Agency. And it uses what's called tax increment financing um, to provide a special fund uh, to enact projects within that specified district. In Winter Park, it's uh, about one square mile and it's bounded by 1792 to the west, Webster to the north, uh, just roundaboutly interlocking to the east and Fairbanks to the south with portions of Orange Avenue. Uh, and really what we do is uh, execute initiatives based on a redevelopment plan. Um, these are all elements that are required by Florida statute. Um, you can find our annual reports at www.cityofwinterpark.org slash CRA and you can really find out all the different things that we're doing. Um, a couple just to highlight if yeah, I please. can get the get the stage and teasing and pun intended here. Um, really looking at a lot of programming, right? right out of the gate. So, and, and those are both business-based and socially based. So we have our business facade program where we're will help support dollar-for-dollar dollar reinvestment on the front of your business. Um, socially, you know, we'll look at housing rehabilitation projects that mirror a lot of our regional partners, partners such as Orange County, who has their own um, regional housing rehabilitation program. Um, we work in the summer with a, a program called Summer Youth Enrichment Program, where we take... Uh, youth from 15 to 18 years of age and give them summer internships with uh, part of some of our regional, uh, local and regional partners. So we've worked with uh, organizations um, such as the library, for example, to be able to get that to happen. And, and I think that sort of speaks to, um, you know, some of the elements that we're talking about uh, here today, not just understanding that uh, we're not in a vacuum, right? Some right. of some of these elements, such as uh, attainable housing, um, food insecurity, you know, that's that's not just Winter Park. We need to be able to support and work with some of our regional and other partners to say, okay, we we can all do this together. We we certainly did during the pandemic. Yeah. You know, there was a lot of elements of federal, state, county, local support in order to just try to build each other up and be neighborly. And I, I think this certainly is another example of that. And a perfect time to benchmark against a scorecard as well. Yeah. Um, you know, and then when we get into just outside of programs, we get into projects and one that we're really thrilled about and we've gotten a lot of feedback, support and confidence on is the renovation of the Central Park stage, which will actually be happening over the next couple of weeks. So you may notice uh, over the, the end of the month here, moving into May, that we're starting to put up some uh, some fencing uh, right around Central Park. And uh, in about 140 days, we'll have a brand new renovated stage Fantastic. just in which time for the they promised me will be done. Uh, by the October Autumn Art Festival. festival. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I know where you live, just in case it isn't, Kyle. Well, my plans X, Y, and Z, which we don't need to get into now if that doesn't happen because of supply chain issues, uh, we don't have to talk about online. Right. But, uh, you know, we have a lot of faith and confidence in the uh, contractor that we've chosen for this project. They're just coming off of a $700 million renovation of the airport. They're actually at Disney this week, and that's the expectation that that we we have to have when it comes to quality of construction in Winter Park, right, yeah. is, you know, that's that's the premier level of expertise that we require. So coming off of those two jobs and then working into what is, you know, a, a central core element of, of Winter Park, you know, which is Park Avenue and that, and that stage in Central Park, which so many people and families and yep. guests and visitors share together. It's, it's a really wonderful project, and we're really excited to get started. Yeah. 
great, great community investment. Uh, you talked about it. I, I wasn't going to bring it up, but you mentioned the, the library. Um, and uh, I know many people think Rollins is going to buy it, has already bought it. Um, neither uh, is the case. Um, what's going to happen with the old library site? Because that is a piece of property that the city owns that um, lots could happen. Certainly. And, and you know, that, that's a, a site that has been evaluated and discussed um, over the years. You know, the city commission a couple of years back did work with an old library site task force to uh, sort of go through all the check boxes of uh, what, what makes sense, what doesn't make sense, and sort of that gets revisited uh, here more towards the present. And uh, recently at a city commission meeting, we uh, staff developed a, a document which is called an RFP, which basically says, okay, are there, are there things that you would like to consider on this site? Are there things that you would not like to consider on this site? And so that's all been carefully vetted. And, uh, you know, here in the future, we'll sort of see how that plays out. Eager to see how that goes. Um, I think we've kind of come up against it. Uh, Betsy, what else from the chamber? Anything else, you know, um, you want to share any event or programs that uh, you want to remind people well, about? Yeah. So this is kind of our women's programming season, although we welcome everyone all year round. We have uh, our Women of Influence Award that we're giving out on Friday. This is probably relevant to your tenure. As many people know you had my job before I did, a couple versions before I did. Uh, and we're going to be honoring with our Lifetime Achievement Award uh, Jane Hames, who was the first female board chair of the Winter Park Chamber Indeed. of Commerce back in the 80s. And then we're honoring Christy Ashby as our woman of influence who does so much to lift and bring other women up along with her. She's the publisher of the Orange Appeal magazine. And then we'll be moving into um, final application deadline for Leadership Winter Park. We'll be executing our youth leaders program this summer. And then we'll have our summer soiree, which is a women's lifestyle um, event that we'll have in July. So all of the information about what we're doing is at winterpark.org. Or my tip is to follow us on Facebook, LinkedIn, or Instagram. Love it. Great stuff. Thanks, Betsy. Kyle, last words. Just... Uh Nothing, nothing overbearing, but just really appreciate the the medium here this morning to be able to talk about a lot of really great initiatives that we're doing at the city in partnership with the Chamber of Commerce, uh, in partnership with Rollins. You know, I, I think that's really kind of my big takeaway of the conversation today is, you know, working with your resources, working with your assets together in order to build everybody up together. Indeed, couldn't be uh, much better stated, and that's why we do this uh, between the city, Rollins, and and the chamber. So. Thank you both for, uh, for being here and for uh, outstanding insights and uh, information. Thanks to all of our listeners for uh, tuning into the Talk of the Town. I uh, hope you'll uh, follow uh, the podcast and uh, continue to stay uh, in tune with what's going on here in the great city of Winter Park. Uh, thanks to Angel for operating the board and doing so much to keep these shows alive and well. So with that, uh, we thank you all and wish you a great day in Winter Park.